Welcome to the Plants and Pilates Lifestyle Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the signs that you are not eating enough carbohydrates. And I think that this is a really important topic because of many popular fad diets out there recommending limiting or completely eliminating carbohydrates altogether. Carbohydrates are the body's number one preferred source of fuel. Carbohydrates are also clean burning fuel, which means that the metabolic waste produced by burning carbohydrates is carbon dioxide, which you breathe out, and water, which obviously is not damaging in any way to the body. We actually need water. And that's why the end parts, we have the carbo part of the word, and then hydrate, which is H2O. And that is part of the breakdown of carbohydrates. And we know that water is extremely healthy and that our bodies are made up of mostly water. So carbohydrates are actually extremely nourishing, giving a lot of energy and a very clean burning fuel. But let's get in, dive a little bit deeper into this. So we have blood glucose, which must be maintained between 100 to, or 70 to 100 milligrams per deciliter at all times. If it drops lower than that, you may begin experiencing fatigue, confusion, you'll have really low energy, you don't feel very well. But as it in as you know it drops lower and lower, you may pass out, you may may go into a coma and you could even die. So, this kind of tells you that glucose is extremely important. Otherwise, our body would not so tightly regulate the glucose levels in our body. So, <clears throat> One of the number one signs that you are not eating enough carbohydrates is experiencing fatigue, low energy, um, and brain fog. So let me kind of explain first what happens when you start going into a ketogenic state, or even if you're not fully in ketosis, but if your body is not receiving enough fuel from carbohydrates, initially you may have an increase in mental clarity and an increase in energy and you feel really good. And you think, well, didn't you just tell me my body needed carbohydrates for energy? Yes, I did. A lot of people mistake this for a sign that this low carb diet or ketogenic diet is healthy. They feel better than they have in years, so this must be really healthy. They also start losing weight. And so a lot of people are like, this is like the holy grail. This is so amazing. It's the greatest thing ever. But what they don't understand is where that energy is actually coming from. So let's talk about that. The reason that you have an increase in mental clarity and energy when you are on a ketogenic or low carbohydrate diet initially is from stress hormones. Generally, energy comes from the main source of fuel in the body, which is carbohydrates. But now we are dramatically restricting or eliminating carbohydrates altogether, and so our bodies are not getting optimal fuel. So we are, we may be using ketone bodies for energy, and you've probably heard that, but they don't provide ideal or adequate fuel no matter what. There are cells in your body and tissues in your body that cannot run on ketones. That's why blood sugar levels don't ever drop below 70 milligrams per deciliter or much less than that. Because if it does, the body can't function properly. So um, even if you're using ketone bodies, the body still needs sugar. Sorry. So let's 
give you an example of how this works. Let's say thousands of years ago, uh, you're traveling through the wilderness and there's not enough food to sustain you as you travel. And if your body reacted to that lack of food by instantly feeling fatigued, worn out, tired, you had reduced cognitive function, you couldn't think straight, you'd die in the wilderness because you would not have the mental capacity or energy or strength to get yourself out of that wilderness and to another source of food. So the body was designed to survive starvation for quite a long time, actually. And there are a lot of mechanisms that protect you from starvation to prevent it. And in the case of a low-carbohydrate or a ketogenic diet, you're still eating food. Um, so there's still calories and things coming in. But low-carbohydrate or ketogenic, well, ketogenic diets in particular are considered starvation-mimicking diets. And we'll get into that later. But I just want to put that out there so that you kind of understand what I'm talking about. You, When you eat a lower-carbohydrate diet, you are triggering starvation mechanisms within the body. So first, um, as this is happening, stress hormones begin being released. It is very stressful for your body not to have adequate and balanced macronutrient intake. Those stress hormones, including cortisol, begin to rise. And cortisol is not the only one. But as these stress hormones rise, you feel an increase of mental clarity, an increase in energy, an increase in strength. And this is kind of like the fight or flight response. So you may have heard stories of maybe someone witnessing a car accident and they because of the stress hormones, they were able to lift a car off of someone that was pinned underneath. That's stress hormones. That is what is causing your increased strength, your increased energy, increased mental clarity. That's where it's coming from. It's not coming from that your body is getting enough fuel. Your body is like, uh, we got to get to a food source. Stress starts to happen. And this is just a mechanism to preserve life. This is not mean that this is an optimal situation. So in the case of inadequate food intake, the stress hormone levels don't rise to the level, obviously, of you witnessing a car accident, lifting a car off of someone. But this is why you feel good in the beginning of embarking on this low-carbohydrate or ketogenic diet. This is not what I would term good energy. This is my body is stressed out and my energy is increasing so that I can get to an adequate food source before my body runs out of glycogen stores and has to start dipping into its own tissues, namely muscle tissue to provide glucose, which the body does not want to have to do that. So that happens for a period of time. And I can't tell you how long your body is going to be able to sustain those elevated stress hormones. It's very individual. It could be months or it could be years that your body can sustain that level of stress hormones to make you feel good and have adequate energy. Because food is coming in and it, there's just so many variables there. But eventually what's going to happen is you're gonna get intermittent spikes and falls in energy as your body's not able to maintain the same level of stress hormones anymore because it wasn't meant to do that. We weren't supposed to be in a state of stress all day, every day, 24 hours a day like that. So you might have a spike in energy around 10 a.m. You might not feel great when you wake up in the morning. You may not. You may start not feeling refreshed after you sleep, but then you'll get a spike in energy around 10 a.m., which is when cortisol peaks, and then 
as cortisol starts to drop off in the late afternoon, you may have a very deep dip in energy. It may come back up just after dinner time and then drop off at bedtime. And that intermittent, like not feeling refreshed in the morning, having a spike of energy and falls of energy throughout the day is just indicating that now your body isn't able to maintain that level of energy and it's starting to wane, which is not good, not good at all. And those stress hormones can interfere with reproductive hormones. They can interfere with thyroid function. So a lot of things are going on here that are just not good. And they just this just happens over a long period of time if you are 100% sustaining this type of diet. So then we begin, and these can happen in any order really, but body odor and bad breath will also occur. They call it the keto breath usually. But when the body's forced to utilize ketones, which generally only occurs in times of illness or starvation, that's when our bodies utilize ketones, this is a mechanism to prevent starvation. But we were never, ever, ever meant to stay in this state for a long period of time. It is not optimal for the body. It's very hard on the kidneys, very hard on a lot of the organs. But your breath may start to smell like acetone or ammonia due to the state of ketosis. And they call it ketone acidotic breath. Ketones are not a clean burning fuel. And so you start to smell. There's a lot of odors of ammonia and things like that that are happening because of proteins and all this other kind of stuff going on in the body. Fats, ketones, all of this, um, not very clean burning fuel. And I'm not going to get into all of why. Um, the science of how you know the body is doing all of this stuff but essentially bad breath and body odor are another thing that you're going to struggle with and then eventually over time you're going to start to experience being moody irritable depression um, just kind of not feeling like clear thinking kind of that like cumulus nimbus over your head kind of a thing <laughs> like just cloudy kind of thinking um Carbohydrates, this is really important. Carbohydrates are critical for the production of serotonin. I know you've heard of serotonin. If you are consuming a low-carbohydrate diet, especially a keto diet, you may experience a slow pro progression into irritability, moodiness, depression, um, all kinds of more mild mental health issues because the body cannot produce enough serotonin without adequate carbohydrate consumption. So that is another thing that we look at when people are struggling um, with their mood and how they're feeling is where's your carbohydrate consumption. Another thing that a lot of people experience is constipation, and we've seen this in a lot of research on low-carbohydrate diets. If you're eating three times a day, and let me explain, constipation, a lot of people are confused. If you're eating three times a day, you should be going to the restroom two to three times per day. If you're going less than one time per day, you're ha you have constipation. Uh, fiber and resistant starch from potatoes, whole grains, and legumes are crucial for digestive health. We have a really long intestinal tract in comparison to other animals. In fact, our intestinal tract is actually longer than all other omnivore animals. I know we consider ourselves omnivores, but physiologically, we really do not resemble omnivorous animals at all. And our intestinal tract is actually several times longer than an omnivorous animal's intestinal tract, hence the reason we need fiber. We can survive as an omnivore, um, but it isn't what we're physiologically designed as. 
So that's kind of what, where people get confused. Resistant starches are critical for overall health and for feeding, feeding friendly flora in the digestive tract. That friendly flora is um, crucial for immune health, for brain function, for all kinds of things. And so that connection of gut brain health, you know, people always talk about your gut health and immune system and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to get into that today because we're really focusing just on signs that you're not eating enough carbohydrates. But this can affect your immune system, your brain function and everything because you aren't feeding that friendly flora in your intestinal tract with resistant starches. And another thing, just a side note, resistant starches, um, when those reacting with the friendly flora in the intestinal tract, create butyrate, which is something that lowers your risk of colon cancer and those kinds of things. So really important. Irritation can actually start to happen in the intestinal lining when food remains in the digestive system for a long period of time. When that peristalsis is trying to squeeze things through the digestive system and it's hardened and there's not a lot of fiber and water going on in there, um, you can end up getting diverticulosis and a lot of things like that. So sluggish digestion is not good for a very wide variety of reasons, um, but it can also affect female hormones. So women can have menstrual irregularities, very painful periods, fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, a lot of hormonal issues with low carbohydrate diets. And some of these um, menstrual irregularities or PCOS, it their blood sugar starts to even out or some of those kinds of things start to happen. And so they think that it's helping. But estrogen is excreted through the intestinal tract and if it's not bound by fiber, it remains in the intestinal tract too long. It will be reabsorbed and wreak havoc on your hormonal balance over time. So a low-carbohydrate diet is not a long-term solution for PCOS. It's not going to heal it. It's not going to cure it. It may help balance your blood sugar levels for a time. Um, and we'll talk about blood sugar later and like um, PCOS, type 2 diabetes, that type of a thing in a different podcast, but essentially um, the lack of fiber is going to be far worse than the small benefit that you get short term from um, blood sugar balance. So a lot of times what we see in women on low carbohydrate or keto diets who are engaging in high intense exercise and that I've seen and worked with a couple of women on is hypothalamic amenorrhea. And a lot of times this gets diagnosed as PCOS, but in reality, it is not PCOS. It looks like that. But these are usually what they call thin or lean PCOS is usually hypothalamic amenorrhea. And it it can be from a lack of carbohydrates, a lack of just adequate calories in general, excessive exercise, all kinds of things that interfere with women's hormonal health. And we're going to go into that in other podcasts. I have a lot of things to talk about, but um, this can happen from low carbohydrate diets as well. So you need to be aware of that if you're having hormonal issues. And sometimes it can take years for that to show up. I just want you to be aware that embarking on this can cause a lot of hormonal imbalances in women. And I know we commonly believe that fats are critical for hormonal health, so how would a, a keto diet not be good for hormonal health? However, our dietary need for essential fats, which are the only ones we need, essential fats are the only ones that we need, and there are two of them. 
omega-3s and omega-6s. Everything else you don't need. Um, we need about 12 grams of omega-6s per day and about 1 gram of omega-3s, which is about 2 teaspoons, two teaspoons per day. Why can I not get that out? <laughs> so 1 tablespoon is about 15 grams. So it's less than a tablespoon. Do you need to take oil in order to get those? No. I'm just telling you the equivalent so you can you have a frame of reference in your mind of how little that is, two teaspoons. Your essential fats can be obtained through fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, and a minimal amount of nuts and seeds. So just for example, one cup of raspberries has 16% of your daily value of omega-3s. So you can see how easy that, that is to get. Um, and I want to give you an example. So a lot of people say, oh, nuts and seeds are healthy, and they start eating massive amounts of them, nut butters and nuts. But if you had to pick the nut off the tree, crack it with a rock, how many would you end up eating? Probably not very many if you had to go to that much work. And that kind of tells you naturally from nature how much of these types of food you should be eating. If these foods were needed in such abundance or you'd need a lot of them, we would have the physiology to eat far greater amounts. So our, our fingernails or we'd sharper teeth or we would have easier ways of cracking nuts with our bodies than uh, we do. So if it's an extremely difficult food source for you to get, it probably means that it, it's not a main, shouldn't be a mainstay in your diet. It doesn't mean you can't have a little bit of nuts or a little bit of seeds. We need them. They're great. They're not unhealthy, but we don't need large amounts of them. And oils are the same thing, which is another really popular thing in ketogenic diets, these fat bombs that they're making and all this kind of stuff. Or in low-carb diets, we use a lot of oils. But you can't pick oil off of a tree. You can't dig it out of the ground. Um, you have to have specialized equipment in order to extract oil out of a food. So that should kind of tell you, mm, is this, should this really be like a huge part of my life that I'm putting it on all my salads? I'm sauteing all my vegetables. I'm dumping it all over everything. I find it interesting that if I use oil and I fry something in it, it's bad. But if I dump that same oil all over my salad, then it's good. It's really interesting. But anyway, I can grind flour at home in my high-powered blender. But to create that amount of oil would be extremely difficult and the ability to make oil is not something that's really accessible in the home environment very much. So another example that I want to give you really quickly before we move on is no one has ever said, I'm just craving oil. Like I just want to sit down to a nice warm bowl of oil. You know why? Because it's not actually a food. The olive is a food. The coconut is a food. But the oil is not. And we will get into that in another podcast. But I just want to bring that up. Um, it is a source of calories. But most oils don't even. Most oils that we use for cooking. Don't even hardly have any essential fats in them anyway. So we're not even getting what we need out of them. Um, the last thing that I want to say about that is, do you know how to double the amount of calories in a meal and not eat any more food? Take a couple of potatoes and dump two tablespoons of oil over it. Just think about that one. The last thing I want to talk about was about, oh, 10 years or so ago, my husband owned a fitness center and medical clinic. And we had a couple women come in and they wanted to teach these nutrition classes in one of the rooms that we had available. 
and they were working out the details of renting out the office space and I was working the front desk or was at the front desk that day when they came in to finalize all the details and as they were walking out my husband walked in and he greeted them and um, whatever talked for a second and then they left and he came over to me and he said how old do you think those two women are and I thought about it for a minute and I said oh probably 45 48 something like that and he said would you believe they're actually only 27 years old and I was completely blown away I was shocked these women had very loose wrinkly skin they were very very thin very lean you could see all of their muscles everywhere so they were very lean but even the skin on their arms was crepey. And so they looked very old. Um, and my husband, I was like, and as he said that, I said, they, they eat a low carbohydrate, don't they? Diet, don't they? And he said, yep, they promote a very low, low carb diet. And they've been doing it for five or six years now. And how did I make that connection before my husband even told me? Because what happens when you are not providing your body with enough carbohydrates? The body still has to have blood sugar between 70 and 100 milligrams per deciliter. That never changes. And I know people will always say, well, I'm fat adapted. This very fancy, I'm fat adapted. Like they are so, you know, this is the upscale way of saying this. No, you aren't adapted to anything. You're starving. That mechanism that you're talking about is a starvation mechanism to keep you alive. You aren't adapted to anything. Where is your body getting that glucose from if you're not eating it in your diet? Most keto proponents will tell you that your body makes it from the fat you're eating. However, if you look in the scientific literature, they have found that the body simply does not do this very well. A high fat meal only raises blood glucose levels about two to three milligrams per deciliter, like hardly at all. So all this fat that you're eating is not where blood glucose is coming from. They thought, and like in theory, they thought the body would do that, but it's not doing that. So the process of, um, of producing glucose is called gluconeogenesis. Now gluconeogenesis from fat does happen, but fat can only provide about 3% of your daily requirements. So obviously all this fat that you're gorging on, thinking that this is providing your body with the glucose it needs, it's not. So where's the rest coming from then? If it's not coming from all that fat you're eating, where's it coming from? It's actually coming from skeletal proteins and collagen. Um, there are some cells that can, can run on ketones, but many cannot. So the brain utilizes about 25% of the carbohydrates you consume in a day. Nerve cells, kidney cells, and brain cells and other tissues cannot run without glucose. Um, I mean, the brain, it utilizes ketones, but it's a difficult, complex thing to explain ketones and glucose and all of that, but just realize that in order to keep full brain function, it has to have glucose. Your body is breaking down muscle and collagen. The body does not want to burn through your muscle tissue that quickly because the reason people die from starvation is not just like deficiencies of things. It, it literally, the organs start to shrink and the loss of muscle tissue to the point where you can't stay warm and organs start shutting down and all of that. 
So your body starts to make metabolic adaptations in order to conserve calories to keep you alive longer, hoping that eventually we'll get to the carbohydrate sources and we can refuel again. So your basal metabolic rate will reduce to conserve energy. Thyroid hormones will eventually decrease. A lot of people will say initially their thyroid hormones increase and that is definitely something that happens because the body is trying to keep you with enough energy to get to a better food source but eventually they will decrease again body temperature decreases heart rate decreases blood pressure decreases non-exercise related activity decreases cognitive function may decline so people think this is so healthy because their heart rate and blood pressure lowers But sometimes your body is doing that to just preserve calories. It's not for a healthy reason. It isn't always healthy to have a low heart rate and blood pressure. Researchers have done tests on people on low-carb diets, and they don't test as well on cognitive function as those who are eating normal amounts of carbohydrates. The body is conserving energy to prevent you from starving and to prevent you from blowing through muscle tissue or burning through muscle tissue too fast. The body's trying to preserve itself. And the idea of losing weight this way does work, but it is not healthy. It's important to realize what's happening in your body. The initial weight loss from low carbohydrate diets is glycogen and water. So your body, for every molecule of glycogen, your body stores two to four molecules of water. So we're looking at four to eight pounds, depending on the person that you could lose in just glycogen and water. And sometimes depending on how low of carbohydrates you go, you could lose four to eight pounds in even a week. It's mostly water and glycogen, but it gets people really excited. They're like, this diet's amazing. They don't care. They just look at the scale. They don't know what they're losing. Researchers of keto diets in children with epilepsy did see fatal electrolyte imbalances in these children. They saw kidney stones, high cholesterol, a lot of risky things, and some of them also had fatal heart arrhythmias when they were put on keto diets. The reason the researchers were putting epileptic children on a keto diet is because it's considered a fasting-mimicking diet. Essentially, it's mimicking starvation. You still get to eat, but it mimics starvation. That's what's happening. But if you starve the brain of fuel, they found that, and this is in a very simplistic way of saying it, it resets the brain. So when you add carbohydrates back in, the seizures are reduced. This was never meant to be permanent. They were doing this for a very serious medical condition. But even with children with epilepsy, this diet is not always used because of the risks. A lot of parents will go in there and be like, I've heard of keto diets for epilepsy and why aren't you doing this? You don't understand. These kids had kidney stones, high cholesterol. They died of fatal heart arrhythmias. They died of fatal electrolyte imbalances. This is not something to just go into lightly. These are not acceptable risks for weight loss. I have seen multiple episodes of kidney stones in people that I've seen with, with on keto diets. We are designed to have a balance of macronutrients. We have amylase in our saliva that breaks down carbohydrates. Animals who are not designed for carbohydrate consumption do not have amylase. Even omnivorous animals do not have amylase in their saliva. We are designed for the majority of our calories to come from carbohydrates. 
The Institute of Medicine and RDA recommendations state that we need around a minimum of 65% of calories and carbohydrates or more. So hopefully this has kind of helped you understand the nuances of carbohydrates in your diet and why they're necessary. Um, macro balances in the diet are fairly individual. However, calculating macros is not something that's necessary, but you do need to find um, a balance that works for you. Some people do a little bit better with a little bit more fat in their diet or a little bit more protein than others, but that all can be supplied by a plant-based diet. Um, I see a lot of people failing on plant-based diets or failing on to thrive in certain ways because they are following gurus who are promoting extremes. You, There are so many rigid rules that um, people are trying to follow that some people, it just doesn't work well for their body. So I do offer nutrition consultations for those who are interested. They are individualized. We look at your personal hormone health. We look at your metabolic capacity. We look at you individually, what your exercise history is like, what your dieting history is like, and all of that. And we kind of look and see where your metabolic capacity is and adjust your diet. If we feel like your metabolism isn't where it should be because of a past of keto diets, low carb diets, excessive exercise, or whatever, all excessive cardio even, um, we can rebuild that. It definitely takes time. Um, but if you're interested in that, let me know. Shoot me an email. Um, you can direct message me on Instagram or wherever you might follow me. And I would love to get together with you and talk with you about working one-on-one -on -one to get your body on track if you're having hormonal issues or um, difficulty losing weight, any of that kind of stuff. I would love to help you. Hopefully this was helpful information um, for all of you. And I am so grateful that you tuned into this episode and I will see you next time.